Hey there, this is Cole. As you're listening to this, you have until August 1st to submit your responses if you have any thoughts about, well, anything Souls-related, any prompts, any uh, kind of like wrap-up thoughts, etc., comments about the show uh, for the final Bonfire Side Chat After Dark. That deadline, again, is August the 1st. Uh, Go over to duckfeed.tv slash contact and use the Bonfire Side Chat button, and those will go to the right places. Uh, Thank you so much to everybody who has sent stuff in. Uh, The Patreon backers will still get priority, but we are looking for everybody else's responses to kind of fill it out and make that final After Dark just a straight-up party. Once again, that is duckfeed.tv slash contact by August 1st. Thank you. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And I'm Mitch Benish. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat After Dark, <laughs> where we are reading your prompts and questions about the Souls series of video games. Yeah. And you heard we are rejoined by Mitch. Thank hey, you Mitch. for sticking around. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thank you for all that support. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank and you for the hours continue. and hours of content. <laughs> Let's all thank. Let's all thank the person to our left, and then thank thank the person to your left. Thank the person to your right. By the end of this semester, one of them will be dead. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was going to go more in the direction of thank you, bonsai tree and roll of gaffer's tape. Thank you, impending existential crisis. <laughs> and thank you, darkness. Uh, I've got a stack of Amazon boxes, Ooh. and then a uh, a bag of cherries. next to me it's cherry season boys Mm. um and we have cherry picked some responses that people have sent in that's not true we're just doing all of them uh from the patrons of that level fresh to you Um, yes fresh (laughs) to you uh delicious and these will not be the pits um i will (laughs) i will get started here with frederick knight of astora who says via patreon uh back where it all started Five hours of excruciating pain and frustration, red night anyone, and then five additional hours of trying to achieve equilibrium while constantly falling forwards. After that, I was baptized in flame as a masochist and soul's ambassador. How long did it take for you to break through the pain barrier? Was it a personal uh, runaway or a sleeper hit? Hmm. Yeah, uh, do you want to, Mitch, you talked about this a little bit um, at the very beginning of the last episode. Um, kind of yeah. your experience getting into this, but how long did that process take of kind of getting over that uh, that specific difficulty hump or that kind of that feeling of this being too hostile for words? Well, the thing about it is going back to sort of the world design and the level design, it, especially if you don't have a soul's literacy already built in, it's very difficult, you know, because the enemies themselves aren't very difficult by themselves, but the way that they're posted up specifically is meant to, uh, challenge you in different ways, depending on the layout that you're experiencing. Um, so the long answer is, uh, that the shorter answer is I never really, the, the pain barrier stopped the second playthrough, you know, the first playthrough when everything's new, it, it was still there. And 
you know, you talked about the long elevator in one of your bummers. Well, I experienced that 10, 15 times because <laughs> I kept losing to that boss. And going back to the souls economy, he kept taking away soul levels. <laughs> that I had to get yeah. yeah, that's a good thing that they stopped doing that. <laughs> what the fuck, Alon? <laughs> if, uh, if that had happened to me, that definitely would have been a bummer uh, for me. It's just that I never, I've never been soul drained by him. I don't say that as a brag. I came here after playing Dark Souls 1. So like it was it was easy for me to dodge that that grab because it's the same timing as uh Gwyn's you know Gwyn's grab more or less. Mm-hmm. Um so I just I'd already learned it. Yeah. Oh, but that would be that would make that way way worse. <laughs> um level drain. And then that became a hacking thing in Dark Souls 1 and Yeah. Oh boy. There's a storied history that has been largely patched out of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in an eternal sunshine-esque manner. Um <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, cool. Um, so I mean, I came to Demon Souls after after dark, so it's hard for me to say like when the when I broke the pain barrier in, in, in demons. I would say um in, in Dark Souls it was definitely sometime in the Undead Parish. Like that mm. like that, that that was the point where it happened for me. Um and where I got the uh where I where my thirst was not slaked but stoked. Stoked. Stoked is the opposite of slaked, yes. Yeah, pretty similar for me. Like beating, um, so it was Dark Souls one for me, and probably beating Taurus Demon yeah. was like the the big kind of a uh, you know moment of just like oh like now I have to see what's next, and this feels doable. Yep. You know, because that took me a bunch of tries and did not feel doable. Um, not to get off on too much of a tangent, like that really highlights a big difference uh, between Dark Souls and Demon Souls in my mind. Because if you think about the way that the worlds are set up, like War One's really difficult. You know the Going to that, even after you beat two, three, mm-hmm. you're still going to have a tough time with four, one, and four, two because every challenge is different. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they they offer so so many different challenges, and I mean three, one, that's way different than four, one, and four, two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no, there's not that kind of continuity. Uh, it's not so much an arc right. of of difficulty. Yeah. Um, it is that each each kind of thesis that they put forward i remember going to something i just you know kind of hopping around at some point and talking to my friend levi who is who has been on the show in the first season um and who's the person who got me and one of the people who got me into dark souls along with cole uh and him saying like you should go to two one because there'll be some more kind of hollow like enemies there you know i just i was just like why am i going from one one which is full of hollows and going to uh, four <laughs> one which is full of bone wheels and and bone wheel archers you know like just uh <laughs> You know what the fuck? Like where? Where Chocolate are there? Why microscopes? Are there, yeah, like a dentist for your hair, like or a lawyer for your hair. Why? Why weren't there more just like zombies to fight? Yeah, you know, and and kind of having that experience. So it is. This is one of the harder games to get into that uh, thing. But I just I didn't have that. I know that if I played this the first time, I probably would have spent a long time in that red night, just because I'm uh, ornery that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game actually rewards it. Like, yeah, that's some, that's some like a stupid thing I do. Like, you know, I play fallout four and there's a legendary death claw and it's like, well, if I use every mine in my inventory <laughs> and run this guy around for about an hour, I can kill him and it's going to be 20 tries. And all I'm going to get is random levelized loot because it's not, you know, cause it's a Bethesda game. Right. Um, this will be worth it. it <laughs> yeah, and it, it never is. And this would actually, you know, be uh, be worth it. I know if I come here first, I would do that. Um, you know, I, I can't resist, you know, fighting something before I should be able to fight it. Right. Um, but I just didn't have that with this because I, I played Dark Souls 1 first. So I was just able to be like, ah, you know, I could fight this now. But like, I, you know, uh, I, I guess I could still could have done it when I came in Demon Souls. But 
if it had been new to me, I probably would have, you know, I didn't, uh, didn't come to it second and do it that way. So, yeah, kind of got really incoherent there at the end. No, it's fine. Uh, I've been recording for a while. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I apologize for that. I, uh, it, was, it was like a bloodworthy. I, I caught the the symbolism of what we were yeah, just, saying. Yeah, just you get the thrust of what I mean um, without looking too I started too, the uh, question closely. at the end. I didn't even know why I was doing it. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> by the time I get to the end of this question, <laughs> I'll not even know why I was there. Um, uh, Cool. What does the Liquid Swordsman say? <laughs> the Liquid Swordsman uh, says via Patreon, Demon Souls is probably the most personally important game that I've ever played. After hearing so much about it, I imported the Taiwanese version as it had English text and audio. Demon Souls was the first animation priority game that I ever played. So my Temple Knight and I spent about six hours in World 1-1. I eventually got good, as they say, and rolled through the game with heavy armor and a halberd. Uh, there has never been a weapon with as diverse of a moveset uh, since the Demon Souls uh, halberd. Demon Souls' beautiful approach to combat as an equation to be solved. The game as community approach, necessary pre-wiki, and its incredible atmosphere. Uh, the game has effectively ruined almost all other action games for me, and I think I'm better for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that halberd is really good. Um, something we didn't talk about, um, that I think is worth kind of noting, and this is something like Dark Souls 3 actually does pretty well, um, is weird kind of classes off the get-go. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. the idea of the Temple Knight and the Royal as being kind of things that don't map on traditional D&D, uh, kind of class structures. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the whole series mostly does that, um, but Demon Souls and Dark Souls 3 are pretty good at it. Very much so. I think. Well, in this run-through of Demon Souls for that I did for the show was the first time that I've actually played a specific mage build Mm. Mm. i've i've done moonlight swords builds before but that's usually strength first yeah but this is the first one i rolled a royal and just tried that out yeah um something we didn't say in the main episode uh that kind of relates to that is uh man oh man is range combat just absolutely necessary in this game yeah Compared to the other ones, which I feel like, you know, I just I never I never think to go to range, be it uh, bow and arrow or uh, spells um, in the later entries in the series as much as I do in Demon Souls. Yeah, part of that is is, uh, what Mitch was talking about in the last episode, like the encounters being designed a specific way. Yeah. You know, and because they're you don't have the option to approach them from other angles a lot of the time. um, It's almost like, you know, hey, I'm really supposed to have a bow here. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I can probably force my way through this, but part of it is a little bit of a lack of a toolbox. But the game makes it very easy to use a bow, mm-hmm. and uh, without too much investment, you can use the lava bow, which you can get very early, which is well is the best bow in the game, is tied for the best bow in the game. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, so that it's uh, it's pretty easy to um, to have really effective range combat. Yeah, um, so the game is designed around it, but I think you know, possibly, you know, probably on paper, it's not the best design. You know, to not be able to make you approach all these situations with regardless of your character build. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a bummer to come back with a bow and arrow. You know. Right. Um, and that's something that, like, other games in the series would do, too. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Um, what does Alex have to say, Mitch? Alex Gagne from Patreon says, I bought Demon Souls at launch after pouring over excited GameFAQs posts from people that played the import version. Playing it was like being in a secret club. Even after all this time, the Souls games still make you feel like a kid swapping secrets on the playground. To me, that's the greatest feat of the series, evoking how it felt to play NES games, even with modern graphics in the internet age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it does that very well. 
I, mean, I think we covered a lot of that in the main episode. I don't have a lot to add to that. Yeah. All, um, yeah. All that I have is personal heartbreak that I wasn't one of those people who was part of the, hey, I imported this. And I had like probably a hundred people max that I could talk about this with. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, um, like game reviewers get that too. That's something that um, Jason talked about. Jason Killingsworth talked about yeah. uh, when he first played this, where he's just like everybody who just had early release mm-hmm. was kind of the, the same kind of experience. Yeah. He started that uh, that email thread. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is a, that is a really kind of valuable thing. It's hard to think of another game that has done that, um, well, especially in this current age. It's like Frog Fractions, right? Like that kind of design. Uh, you know, that's kind of what he's going for. What yeah. Jim's going for. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and it, it works differently than that. Or like you, you run into like you see the ARGs that like Edmund McMillan does. Right, right. For Isaac, right. things like that. Um, that's about as close as you get. And that, that even feels a little bit different. You know, there is something where like information is just so free now that, you know. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get around. Um, which is okay. But it does. We we have lost something. And I think it's uh, interesting to look back on, on games or artifacts before that was lost. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So, uh, thanks guys. Jacob says via Patreon, uh, I find the way I think about dark souls two, And this is on to general, uh, souls things. I find the way I think about dark souls two has changed quite a bit in the last year that we've had dark souls three to play around with. For most of that time, I really thought that two was more of a guidance story is focusing on one interesting cycle, but not actually all that important to the larger cosmology. While three was bringing us back to the core of the story as we understood it in dark souls one. More recently, I found the opposite to be true. Three is the entry in the series that relies heavily on cheap references and superficial similarities, while two takes the general themes in play and flushes them out, mapping them onto relatable human characters while simultaneously expanding the idea of the cycle of decay and renewal. It's funny to me now that I see Dark Souls 2 as pretty much the emotional heart of the series and a much better story when so many rush to declare it non-canon when Dark Souls 3 was released. This is all I ask. Do you think your perception of Dark Souls 2 and its place and the place it occupies in the larger series has changed significantly because of what Dark Souls 2 turned out to be. I mean, I'll rush in with probably the easiest answer. For as much as I love Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3 hammered home. Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne hammered home the the fact that uh, From operates best when they're not making a sequel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like if Dark Souls 2 was just Cursed Souls or whatever and only Bora you know, a demon's too dark level of uh, uh, similarity, it would have been fine. So, like, I think Dark Souls 3 actually diminished Dark Souls 2 a little bit in my mind. Mm. Yeah, it, it's not, like, necessarily by comparison. It does kind of show the reality of this. Um, so, like, the, the the famous Souls YouTuber Epic Namebro, who is not, you know, I like a, like about half of his stuff quite a bit. You know, some of the stuff I'm not as into, I think it's all good. Like, he's a good dude. Um, but he just a recent thing where he's like, you know, here's why uh, responding to people who are like, why don't you like Dark Souls 2? And he more or less, he, he brought up Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 kind of in the same thing and just said, like, yeah, they're they're sequels and they were never meant to be a sequel. Like Dark Souls 1 was not meant to be a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes through to me heaviest in terms of Dark Souls 3. Yeah. Right. Like that's where that's where it is kind of the nastiest in revisiting uh, Dark Souls 2 for the show. Um, it gains it doesn't gain anything or it doesn't gain as much from the Dark Souls name. It also doesn't try to, though. Right. It doesn't rely on it so much. Um, it never rounds up using Dark Souls things. Right. Um, other than literally just like Children of Manus and, and you know, it could have been a Demons to Dark thing. Mm-hmm. So it ends up actually being better, but it makes me wish more that it had been like Curse Souls, like you said. Yeah. Like it still, it still holds up pretty high in esteem for me, but 
it I wish it was and it, and the same thing goes for Dark Souls 3. Like if you stripped out all the Dark Souls 1 references from Dark Souls 3, mm-hmm. you'd have a Svelte four hour game <laughs> that, that didn't uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you'd be able to like shoot through in an afternoon, um, you know, just like, like, like a, a day rental, like just grab it from the red box. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but if you would develop the things that were not dark souls, one sequel, mm-hmm. you know, bait from a uh, dark souls three, um, I'd much rather have that be like a different souls game too. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the continuing as much as we were pretty down on dark souls three during that season, like the things that were new, like I am, I'm the, the, the biggest, Aldrich fan that there is, you know, like the, the new kinds of threats that they, they introduce were so cool yep. uh, to me. It just fell down because of how kind of schizophrenic it was. And like, Oh, here are five factions that have connections to Logan because remember Logan, Logan was cool. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it just, it doesn't tell its story well. Um, and if it had just been like, I don't know what, you know, the second one was cursed souls and the third one was, you know, I don't know. Deep souls. Um, yeah. Deep souls. That would have been awesome. Like mm-hmm. I would have really, really liked the game. Um, so I think that both those games don't benefit from being, uh, sequels really, but dark souls three has way more of its kind of body being tied up and being a sequel, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, does, I don't know if that necessarily answers your question. Like it does make me think of dark souls two differently, but it doesn't make it changing quality to me. Yeah. Um, maybe I was know, harsher. I, I was an elegant in the way that I said, it. I still, still love dark souls too. It just, uh, it, it has changed it for me it kind of shows you like oh this isn't a blip like this is what sequels are to dark souls right you know it's not just like dark souls 2 like it's it's like hey this is kind of how they do these you know mm-hmm. so what, what do you think mitch it's kind of hard for me because dark souls 3 i really actually loved um <clears throat> and i went back to dark souls 2 afterwards and it's funny sort of comparing the two because dark souls 2 we you guys always talk about how souls finds your weakness dark souls 2 i can't even beat the pursuer by myself like that first that first boss but yet i'm beating you know slave knight gale by myself easily Hmm. i'm beating the uh the storm king easily it's like i i can ace dark souls 3 but then i go back to dark souls 2 and it's not it's it's way harder for me almost do you mean the nameless king easily yeah the it starts with the Storm King and then the Nameless King, right? Like the, um, the... It's, it's, it's called the Storm because it's a uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah, I think you're right. Um, sorry, that that's kind of what I meant. I meant the dragon part of that, right? right. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the Nameless King still eats my lunch, um, <laughs> but it's. I think what I'm trying to get to is the the sort of importance on different mechanics between Dark Souls three and two, whereas Dark Souls three sort of hits you in the face with everything that it has to offer and dark souls 2 sort of invites you to look at it more it doesn't change what i think about dark souls 2 on the whole but it it sort of separates out those two in my mind like dark souls 1 and 3 feels the same and dark souls 2 feels different that makes sense yeah Mm mm-hmm so yeah i'm definitely looking at it like (laughs) i'm definitely looking at it more holistically you know like the revisit has made definitely made some things with Dark Souls 2 that like, you know, we, we talked about it a lot. Like, it's hard to go backwards, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, the action is not as smooth. Right. And that mm-hmm. that's just that's true, you know, and it does change the feel of it. So it, I can see it kind of changing that the, those those uh, weaknesses for me, the, um, you know, kind of holistically, I would have really appreciated it as this kind of like offshoot, 
you know, and then same thing with Dark Souls 3. But when I talk about that, I'm not necessarily talking about mechanically. You know, I think that Dark Souls 3 has more mechanical problems than it generally gets, you know, than get talked about. But I also think that um, its biggest problems are kind of narrative and and flavor wise. Mm-hmm. So mechanically, I can definitely see your point. Yeah, like it does. It does feel really good in your hands. Like it does. It does play very well. It's very smooth. Yeah, but ask me why a Fume Knight Ultra Greatsword is in Dark Souls Three. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no there's no reason. Like there's no uh, it is it is arbitrary and bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know which I don't know. Like what what are you gonna do? Cancel us? Like, um, <laughs> like I just yeah. <laughs> Um, Jordan M writes via Patreon. Um, after all of this time, given the ability to strike the series from your memory, which game of the series would you be most excited to approach with fresh eyes? Um, you probably Dark Souls one. Oh yeah, still because it's it's my first. It's very hard for me to to do the you know the kind of Jim Carrey philosophical movie vehicle version where I <laughs> I lose a lose that memory and stuff. Like I think we made a strong case for Demon Souls during this episode, but yeah. like. I have no idea what that would be like fresh. You know, I just, I know what, what dark souls fresh is like. And it was, you know, one of the, one of the most important, uh, art interactions I've had in my life, you know? So same. Um, if I could, if there was a button in my house that I could press that made me feel the same way that I felt when I first found the elevator from the, uh, parish back to Firelink. Mm-hmm. Um, I would press it every, I would never not press it actually. They should, like, they should bottle that. Right. <laughs> like I just, to, 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 to be able to go back and feel that fresh, um, again, uh, that would be a wonderful gift. Yeah. Dark Souls one without a doubt for me. I yeah, would it, actually go with Bloodborne. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of Bloodborne suffers in its comparison to the Dark Souls series. <laughs> you know, a lot of the bosses suck because you've seen every single one of those bosses done better in a different game. Whereas if I went to Bloodborne and approached it on its own merits without sort of uh, things that came before it, I'd be like, well, I don't really like this one as much. And a lot of these bosses get samey, but boy, everything else is really cool. And I wouldn't be bothered by the fact that there isn't a ranged mechanic, you know? Yeah. That's actually a good point because like Bloodborne, you know, we talked about this in the Bloodborne episode, but I think a lot of the like any of Bloodborne's feelings that it has is because it's a, a Souls game. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's having a foot in both ponds and like going to it without that, it'd be like, oh, you know, it's kind of weird that, uh, you know, these, there, there's so many, uh, you know, this kind of abandons the, the kind of regain flow of the early game, but it wouldn't feel quite as like, you know, it, it wouldn't feel like it was betraying. I wouldn't be like, oh, or I wouldn't be like, why isn't this just Estes? Yeah. You know, like I wouldn't have a better example of everything that I, I had problems with. Why isn't this just the Tower Knight? You know, like it would be uh, that's a that's a pretty good answer. I didn't think about it in terms of like revisiting one of the games after forgetting all the other ones. Yeah. No. Dark Souls three would be weird. All the references without the. <laughs> we, we talked material. to a bunch of people like we're, we always said, like, you know, when during the season, we we're like, what would it be like to play this first? Mm-hmm. Um, and for the most part, people who who did, I think, just weren't that invested in. You know, weren't invested in the the lore stuff. Not everybody. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but a lot of people were just kind of like, yeah, I just didn't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, very much. I just, Oh, here's a weird name of something. Um, and that's it. So, but it, it would seem like a lot, like a lot of references to nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, what does Josh have to say, Mitch? 
Uh, Josh Grimer, I think. Sorry if I mispronounce your name. Uh, via Patreon says, what's the worst you've been tricked by a soapstone message? My first time through Dark Souls 1, I was very curious about everything. After all, this is the game that will fuck you after all. I read every message and took most of them pretty seriously. I read a message in Darkroot Garden that said something to the effect of mimic ahead. <laughs> this was near the bonfire behind the illusory wall. I thought, well, I know Dark Souls has mimics. What an amazing subversion to have mimic bonfires. <laughs> I skipped that bonfire. For the next few hours, I approached every subsequent bonfire like it would be a possible landmine. Sweating, heart pounding. <laughs> I need to check this checkpoint. I hope I don't die. You can imagine my surprise when I got to Sin's Fortress. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I've got uh, a, a ready answer um, for that. Please. Um, which happened uh, also in Darkroot, where somebody had put, um, you know, just take one step or wh whatever the nomenclature is in, in Dark Souls 1. Um, I did it uh, the first time because it was the first time it occurred to me that those could lie and fell to my death. And then uh, didn't, um, you know, go back there, didn't trust it, viewed every soapstone message as, as you know, being being wary of them. And then that actual space, if you jump off of that, it's actually that shortcut down to where the wolf ring is. <laughs> so it's like, or you can, or not the, sh you know, down to that second area, like you can make that fall. Right. Um, if I had, if I had the cat ring um, or uh, you get a cat, you, get a ring, you can make that fall. Um, it's either a stat thing or an equip burden thing. You, you don't like a, like a, uh, a feather fall spell you can get. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 ways to do it. Yeah. Um, I could have made that that jump, but I just didn't trust it and uh, didn't end up getting to that second area for most of my playthrough mm. um, until the end where I got to the, my traditional souls like thing where it's like, OK, I feel ready to beat this. Let's go online and see what I missed. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know that I have a story that's as specific as that. Um, but even though I know a lot of these games like the back of my hand, if I if I see a uh, if I see a soapstone message up against a wall and it says try attacking or, you know, fake wall, blah, 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 whatever <laughs> version of that is. Guess what I do? Like a dipshit. I attack it thinking, hey, maybe mm -hmm. there's one I missed. <laughs> so um, and, you know, people just love putting those around uh, like the, you know, just like, yes, I'll put it here because this it looks like a place where a fake wall would be. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. so I fall for it. I am uh, uh, credulous to a fault. Yeah, you yeah, don't, you don't the, lose anything by doing that. So I no, do it. I do the same thing. The falls haven't really got me. The ones that got me were in uh, Dark Souls Two, where it would be in front of a in front of a chest and says "Mimic Ahead," mm -hmm. and you attack the chest and you hit it twice just because you have you know twitchy fingers, and then all of a sudden you lose the chest. It's like rub it, mm -hmm. fuck. you know. So those are the times that I've been tricked by soapstone messages because, you know, mimics absolutely kill you in that game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you, can, you can definitely kind of do that reverse trickery <laughs> uh, uh, with them. So that, that's some next level next level trolling. Um, I, wish, I wish I had gone back. I'd have to go back in time and do it, but I wish I had, like, jotted down all of my favorite soapstone messages because that'd be a fun thing to revisit. Mm -hmm. And this and like, there have been so many really good ones. Yeah. Like ones that, you know, initially don't seem like they make sense. And then you, you find out something that does make sense <laughs> uh, with them. I always really appreciate my, my favorite um, will still always be in front of a gigantic door in uh, like high wall of Lothric, a message that says secret door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, those are those are really great. I actually I, I remember another one where I got tricked. Somebody put um, 
in front of the Rat King in the Grave of Saints, put Miscreant ahead or like Liar ahead or something. Okay. And I and I attacked attack that him? guy in my first yeah on my Aww. first playthrough. I was like, oh, he's you know he's the same guy who I've been fighting. Like he's gonna come up and bite me in the back, or it's gonna be some kind of patches shit, um, and and killed him uh, before I should have, <laughs> and then didn't engage with those guys until my second playthrough. And then you proved him right about humans. I did prove him right about humans. It's sad. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I like that character. I think that in the last episode we like bookmarked talking about the the grave of saints, and mm. then just never did. Yeah, we're like, yeah, we'll get back to that later, and then it just didn't happen. Yeah, but that that idea doesn't didn't totally work. But it was a really cool idea yeah, to be able to set up your own little, like little fun house, mm-hmm. yeah, of traps and shit. Like I would I would like to see that executed on well, for sure. Same. Um, Tom B says via Patreon. I still remember the first time I played Dark Souls on the PC and had proper draw distance and resolution. I stood at Firelink and realized I genuinely could see all the way down into Blight Town and all the way up to the outer wall of Orlando. Open world games always used to give us that old cliche of, see that mountain? You can go there. For Dark Souls, the awe I felt was less about seeing where I could go and more about understanding where I'd been. With that in mind, what is your favorite view in the whole series and why? That is a cool question. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give the easy and obvious answer. Yeah. I'm just going to take initiative. So I don't have to think of another one. Uh, Irithal. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, it is still the most like breathtaking thing. Um, yeah. Irithal looks really great. That is a, that is a visual triumph yeah. for sure. Um, to do a non-obvious one. Um, one of my favorite areas still aesthetically is Ash Lake. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that it is so alien. Uh, it is so otherworldly. Um, and the fact that you were looking out and seeing these trees that go up to other worlds uh, is always going to speak to me. So yeah, Ash Lake. And you can see that from um, part of the the Tomb of the Giants. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool uh, connection thing. Like if you leave your souls down there, like they they. Uh... Or you can see that I think that there's some kind of area you can see from. Like there's an illusory wall post about how far you can see your souls. Yeah. And those two areas actually do like coexist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really really neat. It's pretty great. How about you guys? That that is that is a tough one. Um, I think like I, I don't have a good answer for that, but I want like to expand like a little bit on what Tom was saying. Is that like I think that the reason why in Dark Souls it is more meaningful than the classic Bethesda um, or Bioware, you know, see those mountains, you can go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sense is that the the space in between will be meaningful and difficult and hard one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. like as much as I, like I've had fun playing Skyrim or, or what have you, or any of those games, like getting there is not that interesting. It's just a function like, of time. It's like, yeah, it's literally just a time tax. Like I can, you know, right from the beginning of Skyrim, I can turn in a random direction, see a mountain, get there. But the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to have to run away from some wolves and maybe like, you know, uh, kind of exploit some geometry to climb up a mountain. Um, it won't be meaningful. Whereas in dark souls, like looking up to an Orlando, you know, I know like that's going to be a significant, like there's my next 10 hours, <laughs> you know, that's going to be a significant amount of like hardship and kind of value between me and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get back, it's like, I'm instead of looking back and just thinking of it in terms of distance, which is what most open world games do. Um, I'm looking back at it in terms of like depth of experience, yeah, which I think is more powerful. I think I would have to say probably the ring city skybox. Mm-hmm. Um, I know That's that wasn't anybody's box. favorite DLC, but just seeing the world collapsing in on itself, yeah, it feels like this really interesting meta narrative about how the world of Dark Souls is just kind of collapsing in on itself, and then you see a seeping wound coming from the sky. It's just very evocative and very cool. 
Yeah, I, I think that we even in that episode, like it looks awesome. Yeah. Like the Ring City is is very breathtaking as far as visually. For sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Is this me? I believe so. Okay. Uh, Viginti writes via Patreon. The year is 2027. The last Metroid is in captivity. Miyazaki has touched this plane for the last time, ascending in in a singularity event. From his disbanded, but Bandai Namco, um, or sorry, Bando Namkai, uh, as he says, <laughs> uh, retains the rights to Souls and announces that they are going to do a reboot of a classic IP. As the only surviving experts in the field, they come to you for advice. Who should be in charge of this project? Which game designer or studio, living or dead, uh, as an AI replica can be arranged, uh, would you recommend? Boy, that's tricky. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, if living or dead, just like, okay, so let's, let's like boot up a, uh, a, a version, a backup of, uh, of, of, from circa 2009, 2010 and give it back to them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then you're just repeating the cycle. Shit. Yeah. Never. I mean, that, that that's probably, you know, still why I choose because I like living or dead gives us a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of leg room, but I wouldn't want to see like, you know, it's not like I want to have a, you know, a WADA on it or something like I don't, you know, I can't think of anybody at that point. It would be, you know, people who exist now and just uh, forgiving for the fact that, or, or, you know, uh, uh, kind of taking into account that they might not be alive then. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I would would want like kind of golden age from, and I would want them to have not done any souls like between now and then. Right. So that would be the, the, the tricky part. It was like 10 years of just like living this idea and letting new ideas and new kind of approaches uh, kind of bubble forth. Yeah. Uh, Gary, I know you're probably going, this will make you rip your hair out, but I would, I would love to see what uh, the Chinese room did with souls. Yeah. I would choose somebody. I want the same idea, but I want Fulbright to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like I think okay, Chinese room is bad and I think okay. Fulbright is good. <laughs> All right. That's, um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a similar idea expressed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I would, I would like that. It's hard though. Like a lot of game designers who I really love just have such different values. Like, yeah. You know, uh, this year with with Prey is like really reinforcing me like, oh, like Arcane is one of my favorite game studios. Like mm-hmm. they haven't mm-hmm. made a ba- bad game to my mind. Like I, I love those guys, but I wouldn't want to see them do Souls. Like that's not really their strength. You know, it's a different kind of depth of, of area, like a simulation mm-hmm. kind of real feeling kind of immersive sim thing that they do is so different than the kind of evocative, more dreamlike suggested place yeah. kind of thing. Um, so it's hard for me to think of another studio I'd want to put on it, you know, that do that. But I think that like a, a non-combat exploration based, you know, souls, like what became of Gwen Finch um, or whatever <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would, would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd be I'd be pretty interested to see someone like uh, <clears throat> Kojima take a crack at it. I feel like if you go the holy atmospheric you're killing me bitch after you said you just made me puke in my mouth I put put in a bongo sound that is the vein in Gary's forehead (laughs) you're killing me buddy Uh, you're you're describing whatever like if if I signed up with the take a wish foundation like like, whatever the opposite of that is do you know why the dark soul exists? Because <laughs> nuclear like, proliferation. Yeah. The dark soul exists. Um, you know, question, the last soul? three words you said. Yeah. With a question mark instead of, uh, we're, I'm playing Final Fantasy after years. And it does that a lot too. Everyone's constantly going, what? What? Yeah. Like no matter what happens. What? Um, there, there's out. a weird I, vocal tick. I feel like if you have Kojima and his over talkiness and dark souls and its atmospheres 
atmosphericness. They might meet. They might meet in the middle of like a Goldilocks middle, and you can see what that would look like. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to see him take a crack at it. Yeah. Yeah. It would be. I mean, I would. I would. It would be the first time where the like. Um, you know, when people are just like, I don't care whether Kojima games are good. I just got to see what he does. Yeah. You know, that would be the, the only time that worked for me where I was just like, you know, I got to see this, you know, regardless of, of, of how good it is. Like I, I'm curious enough about this. Yeah. That would be the expression where that worked. Sideshow appeal. Yeah. It would, it would definitely have kind of sideshow appeal. They are such opposite tacks to me. Like they almost couldn't be more different. There's like a degree of like care put in like there's definitely a like a, a amount of detail but just like the difference between subtext and supertext right is, is kind of the you know just what if everything in dark souls that was left for the player to figure out was instead dialogue between two people expounded upon you know? yeah. yeah expounded patches upon is that your, uh, patches is your guide is, is your handler yeah yeah he's your virgil have, yeah <laughs> and then just the uh it would be that would that would uh, probably kill me <laughs> uh, in a, in a serious way. It would be interesting though. Like if if we were running VR experiments, you know, like I could just like plug that into a simulation and see what it would be like, you know, without it actually being like, oh, that means he owns the rights. Fuck. Like that's, <laughs> this is where I we're mean, at now, whether we like it or going not. Going back to the Metal Gear Solid uh, two episode, you think about Aldrich. That's a real. That's a real Kojima boss right there. Yeah. I mean, you got like Liquid's arm on Ocelot. It's the same thing. Part, <laughs> yeah. It's true. He just doesn't talk about it. Hmm. That, that's really the that's the difference. He doesn't talk. Per- if Eldrick like delivered him like a you know twenty minute death monologue, <laughs> you no matter how much I like Eldrick, I don't think it'd make Eldrick better. Yeah, you know that would be the killer thing Perhaps. for me. But there, I, I I acquiesce that it would be interesting. Perhaps he would have preferred <laughs> a fantasy situation. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I would have. Perhaps <laughs> it is a sort of role playing game. Um, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's difficult to think about. I would also like to see, like, um, it would be kind of, I think the Chinese room Fulbright thing is a really good idea, yeah. though. Like, that's something, the, who, Allison's always talking about that. Like, she wants yeah, to I'll, make, like, a, essentially a Souls-like with no combat. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think that's a really good idea. I saw, I mean, I, I, I've got to admit, I saw her and Riff talking about that idea. And I was just like, yes, that makes a lot of sense to me. I would like to see that. Yeah. Um, it'd be cool if it would happen. I, I just don't hope that it would. Yeah. But this is the magical land of wishes. So, like, yeah, yeah. Um, who, uh, whose is this? Is this, this uh, is, yours? This is Jacob. Yeah, this is me. Uh, Jacob via Patreon says, "If you guys had known better, is there anything you wouldn't have covered during an off season, or anything you wish you had?" Um, um, I've got. I can. I can talk about that. If, or you have an answer. You go ahead. Oh yeah, I've got yeah. one. Um, I would have just read Berserk and not talked about it for all the grief that it's caused us. Mm. I'm so glad we did it. Like, um, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm happy we did as well. But if we're just if we're looking at it in terms of the amount of shit we've had to deal with off of the back of that, um, it, it, it is it is dumb. Yeah. Like the amount the amount that that like something that like people still like those episodes and people mm-hmm. talk about them, but people who don't like them are really vocal about it. And yeah. uh, you know, in a way that just you know, uh, I don't know, without wanting to get into it because it's frustrating. Yep. <laughs> like it's frustrating <laughs> to deal with the fallout from, but. It happens like so yeah. that's definitely like a, a a career mixed bag yeah uh kind of thing now we probably would have um, made them angry anyway so yeah who, who i mean there's yeah there's no winning yeah like there's literally no winning with anime fans like yeah. you you cannot do it um with with some 
Not all. <laughs> See? So. You're trying to win, Gary. You're trying to win. I'm not trying to win. I'm just trying to like not have, you know, like really, really long Twitter threads talking shit about us for no reason. Yeah, like, yeah. um, uh, so that, that's, a, that's, you know, there's arguments to be had for that. Um, I really got, I read it like despite reports, like I really liked it. I just didn't like it in the right way. So I guess <laughs> well, no, the problem, the problem is that you liked it. Is the, yeah, the is, problem is, is the that I, it's it's more that I like that and I didn't like something else. So, right, right. you know, in addition to not liking the right Souls games in the right amounts, not liking the right animes in the right amount is also a problem. Yeah, uh, for a certain class of fan. And you should um, you should know that before you open your goddamn mouth. Apparently so. Yeah. Apparently so. Um, as far as things that I wish we like hadn't covered at all, it's kind of tricky to say. You know, because they all like have a relation at least to a little bit. Um, I kind of wish that things had worked out. Uh, I would have rather have done a much more cursory glance at Neo and covered the Surge. I think. Yeah. I haven't played the Surge, but like it looks more related, and and I also got like just personally ended up having a pretty frustrating experience with Neo feedback as well. Yeah. I don't know how much that came in through the show, but like, you know, as somebody who like when I play games, like I work out how I'm feeling about them on Twitter. Like that's you know that's what I do. I don't save it for the show. You know, I want to have conversations and hear other people's thoughts. Um, I microblog. It is a microblog. Um, not liking Neo caused a lot of annoying feedback. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at the end, it's like, uh, you know, I wish that it would just been kind of a footnote um, for us. Like, we didn't yeah. we didn't go that in far in depth with it. Um, Maya was great. Like, I really appreciate, um, you know, her, her input and everything and helping us out with that. But I just ended up being ultimately more frustrated than not. And I would have... You know, even the follow up from the Lords of the Fallen guys sounded better to me. Yep. You know, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. Is there anything you can think of that would have made sense for us to cover, Mitch? Or anything that we did cover and you're like, this fucking sucks. And as long as it's not the Berserk episodes, because I don't, for reasons, <laughs> I don't want to hear that again. <laughs> well, actually, no, um, <laughs> I kind of feel like I would have liked to see instead of something like uh, Dark Mouse, where apparently nobody really cared about it uh i mean you guys you played it but nobody really wrote in about it or anything like that mm-hmm. um there are a couple saggy games in the in that sort of interim season i would have liked to see things like uh armored core 4 as we were talking about a little bit earlier where it's miyazaki made and it kind of has a couple of things so like Things that aren't directly inspired or directly preceding Dark Souls, but things that are almost like side things from from software. That's what I mean. From software yeah. games that are not Dark Souls. And, no. and we definitely toyed around with that. Like Dark Mouse is a good up, a good uh, criticism, right? Like yeah. those episodes weren't great shakes, and nobody cares about that game. Like it's definitely related. I think that's probably arguable that we shouldn't have done that. Um, the uh, and then other you know so Armored Core four we talked about like we talked a little bit about Eternal Ring and uh, uh, Evergrace and things like that Ninja Blade um, Ninja Blade Lost Kingdoms like those other FromSoft games it would just be a long it would mean we're prolonging the show mm. at that point and we were just kind of like you know it's the the off seasons are something that doesn't come through is that like they're really fatiguing yeah. because it's essentially doubling our oh, workload. Yeah, like we talk about it, but I don't know if everyone, you know, anyone, uh, everyone totally appreciates it. It's really fatiguing because we're essentially doubling our our load from Watch Out for Fireballs. Yeah. Um, and and just kind of, uh, you know, doing that. So like doing something like we talked about throwing an armored core game in there. And it's like these, you know, we look at how long this is to beat. Like that is just signing us up for like a, a ridiculous week. 
yep. you know, mm-hmm. um, and it just became a practical consideration. So we could have stretched it out and done um, a se- like a full season of, you know, if, if something happened, like say like Bloodborne 2 or something got announced and it was fall before we kind of both got in our idea, you know, in our heads to like expand watch out for fireballs to cover mm-hmm. everything and kind of have an Omni, you know, Swiss Army game show. We might have stalled for time and done like a, a other from soft yeah. game thing. But the nice thing is, is that like you know, now that we are kind of widening the umbrella for watch out for fireballs is there's no reason why we couldn't do Armored Core for or Evergrace or Eternal Ring or Lost Kingdoms or Ninja Blade or any of those games, Metal Wolf Chaos. Mm-hmm. And like we want to like yeah. a lot of the, the kind of from awful also runs like we're fans of the studio in general. Like we are the people who have spent the most time talking about shadow tower. I feel like on the internet, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I love that game. I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about from's other stuff, you know, we're just going to do it on a different show. Yeah. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's a, let's just space things out and not kind of do double duty at the same time, you know? Yeah. So it's coming, you know, things like that <laughs> will, will happen. For sure. Um, but yeah, like Dark Mouse is like, that's not a, that's not the best episode of the show. No, <laughs> like, that's, that's not super great. Um, <laughs> well, and I think I think the problem is that you also did it on Check It Out Comrade as well. Yeah, so it was, yeah. it was like a lot of things that you wanted to say about it. You had already said about it. What I thought was going to happen was I was going to play it again because I, I played it for like the amount of time I spend on Check It Out Comrade. And I was like, oh, this is kind of neat and thought I was going to kind of fall in love with it. And thought it was going to be longer and have a little bit more kind of depth to it than ended up having and not be so kind of hatefully difficult. Yeah. You know, so that was kind of a, a gamble. Like we planned it out in advance and cool had never played it. So I wanted to hear what he had to say. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of didn't work out. So yeah. it was a it was it was a little bit of a gamut that didn't work out. Well, also talking about those other offseason games like Salt and Sanctuary and games that you specifically I, I think you ended up sort of on the middle teetering on didn't like Salt and Sanctuary, but those games that you didn't like specifically, I know there is a lot of probably Twitter flack where they're like, well, why didn't you like this? Why are you doing it if you don't like it? I think there's value in that too. Like I, I like hearing about games that you guys don't like just as much as I like hearing about games that you do like. I think where Dark Mouse really falls in my mind is, is it's a game that I think pretty much the world is ambivalent on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that's just, that's that's more of the issue. Yeah, it's fallen fallen below below the radar. People are really sympathetic about um, our feelings on on Salt and Sanctuary. I think the fact that we waited a year to cover it helped as well because we were not right in the middle of oh my god, this is the successor kind of hype uh, post release. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, we had a very good interaction with the developers. One of the developers behind salt and sanctuary here recently that i want to call out and say like i have a tremendous amount of respect for the people at that studio totally yeah. like i i felt pretty bad right like yeah. that person tweeted and they're like hey you guys covered it ah oh, this is harsh and i was like i'm torn because i don't feel uh like and you know it was never a lie i wasn't playing up my feelings for that game for effect no you know but it i just i understand that could be hard to hear um, I think that we did say some positive things about that game, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I would, I wouldn't have felt like I would have got kicked out of a creative writing class for, mm-hmm. for saying, you know, for, for that feedback, right? right? Like it was, mm-hmm. it was reasonable, I think, but it was just very hard to be face to face with the person, you know, who was responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were great. Yes. Like, it was just like, and it was the perfect way, you know, it's just, I don't understand that we're not for everybody or this thing isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was really it. And we just had a very pleasant like interaction and that was awesome. 
Yes. Um, mm. You know, because I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. Like I'm not, I understand people are behind these things. I also, again, though, like I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I feel like my job is to honestly say what I feel. Mm-hmm. And that's the extent, that's the entirety of, you know, of my job. You know, and I feel like with Salt and Sanctuary, like we did our jobs with it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and some people did like feedback because that is a very popular game. And like I was able to tell the developer, like, you know, people disagree with us about that all the time. Oh, yeah. Like on the Slack, that's very frequent that people are just mm-hmm. like, you know, you guys are wrong about Salt and Sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's fine, too. Like, that doesn't bother me Yeah. Uh, that, you know, that people don't agree with us about it. It's just, you know, me getting out what I thought about it. Yeah. Um, yep. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'll take us into the just fun and section with Stuart uh, McGowan. You'll remember him from the Bloodborne episode uh, saying mm-hmm. via email, what other, uh, what other game series would you want to hear a bonfire side chat? Ask a deep dive on. Hmm. But what do you think, Mitch? Uh, probably if I had to choose one, I would choose something like final fantasy. Um, I know you guys have probably kicked it around and it's probably not going to happen. But I think if you're talking about series that sort of have a baseline level of stuff to talk about and interesting stuff to talk about and sort of comparative stuff to talk about, I think Final Fantasy has a nice sort of arc to it. Other than that, there's not too many series that occupy space in my mind as to be interesting throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the Final Fantasy one, too, like... Well, you know, I guess like in this episode, while we're airing dirty laundry on the on our path to the end, <laughs> like part of the reason why, you know, I'm I'm such a big fan of like the WAF 2.0 model where we can do Final Fantasy games and then take a break is like um, the idea of just signing myself up to play that many JRPGs in a row mm-hmm. Um, mm. would be fatiguing and awful. Yeah. Um, even, you know, our friends who do uh, Megaton Marathon, which is like a good podcast that does that for uh, Shin Megami Tensei, like that's more than I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't just, I, I want to play a variety of games. I can't just sit there and play, uh, uh, that grindy of a genre just in perpetuity throughout just the universe. Ambiently in your life. Yeah. But yeah. I would want to have some, like the question is, you know, what would we like to hear somebody else do on? And I'm with you. Like a final fantasy show would be really cool. Yeah. Um, cause I, I, I agree with you. Like, I think the series does support it. I just don't have an, that big of an appetite for it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, another answer I'd have, I would love to have somebody do a chronological uh, exploration of games based on Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, um, oh, that'd that, be cool. you know, that's a particular like little like, you know, thing of mine. But I, I love that shit. Yeah. Um, there's a really good uh, YouTube video by a guy named 90s Gamer 92, which I still think <laughs> is a very funny like uh, handle. He's retired now, um, but he did really good videos and he has like a, t- a feature length. Like it's two hours long hmm. history of. Um, video games based on Dungeons and Dragons. It's not totally comprehensive. Um, you know, he skips like kind of large swaths, but the early history is really good. Yeah. Um, but I would love to have like deep, deep dives on those things. Um, cause there's a lot of like goodness there and there's a lot of like, you know, uh, like B minus good stuff too. Mm-hmm. You know, I want somebody to talk mm-hmm. about like Dragonstone, <laughs> um, or like the, the, the Dritz, like, um, beat em ups. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. things like that, which I think are like, those are good games, good, interesting games mm-hmm. um, without being necessarily something I want to play through at the drop of a hat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, my answer would be um, for somebody to go through and dig up the good stuff in the Elder Scrolls. Mm. Talk about it topic by topic, just because I know how expansive those are. I realize there's not an awful, there's not an awful lot to talk about in those uh, from a play standpoint. 
Uh Um, just because, you know, like the encounter, like just the way that game articulates is not as mechanically intricate as uh, something else. But I would like to hear some of the weird stuff because, you know, that is what I like about those in a lot of regards. Yeah. Like there is a a lore cast. Um, When we did Morrowind, I I found it, but never listened to it. I just knew that it exists. So I I think it's kind of neat. Yeah, Fallout would be pretty good along those same lines, too. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a really good YouTube channel that does that um, called uh, ShoddyCast um, that does a couple of different games, but they mostly do Fallout. And they're kind of from the perspective of this, like, they're pretty slick. They've got a, a, a good voice actor who's called, he has this character called the Storyteller who just kind of goes subject by subject through Fallout. So it's like, here's, you know, 11 minutes on the Enclave. Here's 11 minutes on the Brotherhood of Steel. Hmm. Um, does and he do it in the voice of Three Dog? Let me tell you a story. It's more just like, you know, deep guy trailer voice. Okay. You know, a little bit. Um, I wish it was three dog. Um, <laughs> I wish it was a uh, nervous DJ from Fallout 4 before you give him confidence. I wish it was Travis. <laughs> what did I? Um, the, uh, but it's, uh, it's pretty good. Like, so if anybody's looking for a Fallout version of Bonfire Side Chat, there's like 60 or 70 episodes of that, and I've watched most of them, mm-hmm. and they are good. Yeah. Uh, what I don't want anybody to misunderstand is we are not saying we're doing any of this. We're so very yes. tired. Yeah. They're doing <laughs> all of it 2018. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. Give us a, give us a spelt uh, five months to prepare. And uh, no, it would be um, – these are things I would love to see. Yeah. For sure. Um, but for now, we are not re- – like what a, what a dick move it would be to rearrange our Patreon again for, for this. Like <laughs> – just uh, 17 days on the new model. Um, th- then I think we should be able to be like sued. Like I, I think that, that would be, we'd officially be a scam uh, if we did that. Like <laughs> the government would go to Patreon HQ and like pull out a big plug that just has our logo on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got your logo duct tape on it. Yeah. On Fireside. <laughs> oh man. Um, I think this next one has uh, has has some praise. So, Gary, if you want to take that, I will, I will read Tim's. Uh, Tim says via Patreon. I mostly just wanted to thank you guys for starting this awesome podcast, which provided a door into the amazing Duckfeed community. When I became completely and utterly obsessed with this series after buying the first game on a whim three or so years ago, and decided to Google Dark Souls podcast, I didn't expect to get something as wonderful as Bonfires I Chat and the rest of the network. I've met and gotten to know some really terrific people. And playing games alongside the show has really enriched the experience in so many ways. It may sound cliche, but all of it helped me through a rough time in my life dealing with the loss of someone close to me. So once again, uh, thank you, and I cannot wait to see what you guys come up with next. It's a it's a it's a speedy five months on Final Fantasy IV, my friend. <laughs> five weeks, uh, not months. <laughs> it's, it's the five five short weeks. Yep. <laughs> Final Fantasy twenty eighteen. Yes, <laughs> the entirety. Yeah. Um. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, people are. Uh, it's funny how like the the Slack has become like, um, you know, just like part of my daily checks. Mm-hmm. You know, like I there not a day goes by that I don't like talk about it or talk on it. Yep, and chat with people, and it just becomes a thing where it's like you know I get up and I check Twitter and Facebook and my email and pop onto Slack and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, like it is a really good community. Yeah. I know we talk about that a lot, but it is definitely true. Yeah, it is uh, one of the biggest shifts we've made. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is safe for uh, for you to read, Mitch. Sam's safe for me. Good. Uh, <laughs> Sam Bear via Patreon. 
Besides the obvious answer of DS Fix, what are your favorite Dark Souls mods? I'm mostly thinking about dumb joke ones, but if there are any serious ones, that'd be cool, too. My favorite mods are the ones that put giant pot leaves and pictures of Cheech and Chong on the grass crest shield for the sheer <laughs> crassness of it. And the one that recolors the giant crow into a giant seagull. <laughs> I didn't know about that. You can make it uh, Velka's like cousin Melka. He's <laughs> 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 obsessed with seagulls. <laughs> um, <laughs> crispy, crispy, yeah. tasty, salty. <laughs> The estranged cousin. <laughs> yeah, cousin, cousin of the we gods. Don't, we don't talk about Melka. <laughs> the DLC they'll never release. Um, I've got I've got answers for this, uh, if nobody else does. Of course. Because um, uh, I, I did a bunch of Dark Souls 1 modding back when I was obsessed. Um, so, like, the, the one that added the most uh, kind of coolness to the game, like, the Perma Gravelord one is cool. Yeah. But the highly aggressive enemies one uh, changes every encounter in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically by changing enemies' uh, aggro radiuses. So you're going to run into them in areas you don't expect. Yeah. And was like a total remix of the game. Like, I did both of them, but out of the ones that made a difference, like the Black Phantoms, you can go through large stretches of level without running into a Black Phantom. Mm -hmm. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the aggro mod is awesome. And I just read just today about somebody finally modding in a boss rush. uh, Oh, nice. You can can go through, you load up a save game, and then you choose which boss you want. (laughs) And uh, you do it for a save game you don't give a shit about. Um, because it is, uh, uh, it can mess up your game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, you, you can do the thing in dark souls one where you just go back and play whatever fight you like. Um, as opposed to having to wait for aesthetics to show up in dark souls too. Yeah. I think the ones that I like, uh, the ones that I've, the one that I actually did on my computer was the limbo mod one. That one was really mm. cool because mm. it, yeah, that like the aggressiveness mod, it kind of changes the context of the game because you don't have the same kind of depth perception. And you kind of have to go off very few visual cues, which is pretty interesting. Um, I like, I liked it when I tried it. The VR mod for DS3, um, that was really interesting because it, you know, playing it as a first-person experience kind of, I mean, obviously it changes the game, but it felt like uh, Kingsfield again. It was a really hmm. interesting experience. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. I don't do mods, so I mean, I thought about today loading up a Thanks Obama mod, but that that, that just was not the. Uh, it just didn't seem worth the time. So. It's a, it's one of those things where if you're gonna like, you do it to post pictures of almost. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. yeah. Unless you're gonna get enough joy to to make that worth, like that's an easy mod to install, but like it is. Uh, so when I was when I put in um, like the Gravelord mod and stuff, I put in the uh, you defeated thing at the same time because it's like once i modded mm-hmm. you know as well but i wouldn't have just put in the you defeated thing yeah yeah like that's fun and funny but it's just not kind of how i roll yeah yeah um and the final one here probably most important of all we have steve ritchie who writes in via patreon saying i have money riding on this with a friend so no pressure do you eat fish and chips with a fork or uh, a fork and knife or by hand so utensils with fish and chips or going in barbarian style um, I eat almost everything with a fork and knife. Um, I eat like cheeseburgers with a fork and knife. So <laughs> I definitely eat fish and chips. I can't handle like, I don't like greasy shit on my hands. Mm, yeah. So, and, and fish, somehow fish, like when it gets fried, it gets greasier than fried chicken. 
Yeah. Right. And how that is, but like it's it's somehow oilier. And when I say somehow, it's probably just that like it's an oilier fish meat. have more yeah, it's oilier meat. Like, <laughs> there's some kind of mystery. I don't understand yeah, how something can be oilier than the other thing. Why why fire hot? <laughs> yeah, uh, but this fire is hotter than the other one, Cole. That's the point. I don't understand how this object they're both hot, but how can one be hot and the other one be hotter? Um but yeah, it's just it's too greasy for me, so I always eat the, that with a fish uh fork and knife. But I'm also disqualifying myself because as I said, I eat cheeseburgers with a fork and knife as well um uh, so my answer is both i start out with a fork and knife because they usually bring it out piping hot um and i don't want to wait for too terribly long it's easier to cut off a small piece blow on it get it to get it to a reasonable temperature and then eat it uh but as it uh, cools down you know you just you get impatient and you want to pick it up and eat it with your hands so yeah it's both Um, what do you think tiebreaker i like to i like to put it in a blender and blend it up Ooh. and use it as a topping on other foods. Ooh. Possibly inject it in a turducken so you get a turducken fish and chippin situation yeah. going on. <laughs> a beautiful oblivion. <laughs> you get a nice cross section going on. Yeah. Uh, I probably eat it like a barbarian with uh, my hands. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh. I. Because I am a barbarian. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you, you get the. Flow. We literally covered the gamut there. Yeah, <laughs> choose your fighter. <laughs> I'm the hybrid class. Yeah, <laughs> I eat with hands. I want to eat the maniac who is like literally just all right. My right hands for the fish blanks. My left hands, them's for the chips. By camera roll, fish and chips legislature. <laughs> It does uh it does make me want to eat fish and chips though, the same way that like talking about anything on the podcast kind of dictates what I have for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah you guys talk about wings me. all the time, and I'm like, now I need yeah. wings. Now I gotta have wings. Uh, like you've yeah. erased the, whatever the most recent thing is. <laughs> it's after ten o'clock, so I cannot walk to the bar down the street for me and get their fish and chips. So mm-hmm. oh well. Yeah. I'm I'm still looking for a superb fish and chips in Portland. Like I've had good fish and chips, but I'm still looking for like Fuck yeah, fish and chips. Yeah. So maybe that'll be a good a good thing to find this week. Yeah. Um, and then I'll report back. Please do. I will. <laughs> um, thanks everybody. Yeah. Thank for, you, Mitch. Uh, for your responses. And thank you, Mitch. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had fun too. Um, this was this was a fun episode, I dare say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where uh, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me at. At Mitch Benish, that's B-E-N-E-S on Twitter. I haven't tweeted in a literal, you know, four or five years, but I am going to because I have things sort of coming down the line. You can also find me on the Slack, uh, T-Doggin, T-D-O-G-G-I-N. So, yeah, I'm I'm a cool guy. I do cool things. None of those are true. <laughs> he's 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 Doggin. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, it was a name that somebody came up with for me in high school and it just kind of stuck because that's the way that you know you put it in ps3 and that's your name forever so oh, yeah. that yeah that's the situation <laughs> no backsies my yeah. my yahoo uh address is still a reference to like news radio like news radio is good <laughs> but I, it's uh it's phil hartman talking about um uh, getting he's like he's like, somebody's like you're wearing a speedo and he's like wearing a, a speedo that beautiful speedo freedom speedum and then Speedum is the name of my Yahoo uh, email address, except somebody took it. So it's Speedum X. <laughs> I've always uh, read I, it as Speed OMX. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like as a reference to a song. I can confirm this because that's the address that I send Gary's Patreon money to every yeah. month. Yep, yep. It's uh it is uh, it is an old reference because those things do get calcified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I I, uh, I think that's probably it. If you like uh, us, if you like the show, you can support us. Uh, you know, the show is going away, but the old episodes are staying along, staying mm-hmm. around. I mean, Cole are staying around. And um, you can support our future endeavors at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Yeah. Um, and if you have anything you want to tweet about the show, um, go ahead and do that. Uh, just at either of us. I am at Cole Ross, K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if you want to tweet me, it's Gary Butt, G-A-R-Y-B-U-H. Mm-hmm. And as you're listening, there might still be time to get some uh, some general responses in uh, for the final After Dark, which is coming out two weeks from when you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. I will be excited um, to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll. Uh, <laughs> I think it'll it'll be, and I'll be here every week. The um, <laughs> you're pulling the Braytons. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, the classic Brayton. Um, cool. Well, uh, until next time, what should they do, Cole? Um, they should. Uh, we can't do the same joke as last time. Like, t, t, t dog. Oh, it. Uh, yeah. The, um, yeah. They should t dog it. Yeah. They should. They should t dog it. Let's t dog it, bros. Umbasa. Umbasa. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. A tea dog with a fork and knife. <laughs> um, I'd like to blend mine up first. Can I, can yeah. I, can I order mine all balled up? Yeah. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs>